Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. God's grace, God's mercy be on you all as we start this new year. I can't think of a better song to sing this morning than the song we sang just before that, before the message I'll be talking about this morning on Zion's glorious summit stood, looking at those great promises that God makes for us, a home with no sorrow, a home where there's no more decay, a home of eternal day, where with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a time when we want to be with him forever, and I can't help but ever think any more than it's worth it. To follow God. It's worth it to follow his promises. It's worth it to do the things that we do. To give him honor. To give him glory. Because we understand the promises that we have in our God. And those promises that we have cause us to live those promises for God each and every day. And to extend those promises and share that good news with others. I don't know about you. But a lot of times, maybe if you're a student and you're studying and you got so many more years of school and how much longer am I going to study? And the only thing I can tell you is it's worth it. Or maybe it's you who are doing a class, learning a a technical skill. And as you go into those classes every day, learning that technical skill and you're thinking, why did I have to keep on doing the same thing? All I can tell you is that it's worth it. Teachers who are in school, when you're teaching all these kids from small ones to teenagers, the college kids, whoever it may be, and maybe you got one of those days, why is it worth it? Why am I doing all these things? All I can tell you is, it's worth it. You're making an impact on somebody's life. And I want you to know that this morning, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus, the world is going to do and say everything it can to tell you that it is not worth it to follow Christ Jesus our Lord. That it's not worth your time being here this morning to worship the one and true God. That it's not worth your time reading the Bible during the week. That it's not worth your time wanting to serve the Lord your God throughout this week. And they will want to fill your time with things of this world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning, let's not forget that it's worth it to follow God Almighty. To follow Him because we understand that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord God, thank You so much for Your promises. Thank You, Lord, to know and understand that it's worth to follow You. And I want us to think about it. Sometimes, I don't know about you, I have hard days of following Jesus. Or sometimes as a church family, we may think of hard times that we've gone through in different ways and different times. And I think it's really neat that what we're going to look at this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's talking to church that had jealousy, that had envy, that said, my gift is better than your gift, that my talents is better than your talents had things that had gone on that had caused division. And Paul has called and called those things and told them to repent of those things, to repent of all of those things because there is, it is worth following Christ. It is worth it to be with your church family. It is worth it to serve the living God. It is worth it to encourage one another. Keep encouraging when it doesn't seem anybody's being encouraged. Keep on doing it. Allowing God to work in your life and to know that it's worth it. And the very first thing I want us to understand that it's worth it this morning is that your belief in the Lord is not in vain. 
One day, somebody told you about the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One day, you heard the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we hear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, when Paul is talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he says, and you understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus died according to the scriptures, was buried according to the scriptures, and was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. But I want to add something for us there. When you read those verses, don't read that and just think, okay, go buy it. Jesus died, buried, and raised. Make it personal. Make God's word engage in your life. When you read those verses, look at it and read it like this. When you talk about the gospel, understanding that God, Christ Jesus, died according to the scriptures for you, for me. Jesus was buried according to the scriptures because of you. For me. Jesus was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. For you and for me. Brothers and sisters, we want to make God's word real in our lives. Had a retreat this weekend talking about being rebooted, renewed, restored, revived. All of these things with re in them. Okay. Even had a crossword puzzle with re in it a lot. That the guys tried to suffered with trying to find all the words for it. But when we think about it and want us to think about it, while we were doing that study, and I know some of you have seen during out the week on Facebook, on YouTube, a study that has come out talking about the importance of being engaged in God's word. And three different studies from three different people, three different organizations, all came up with the exact same thing in their results. They realized that people who four times a week were engaged in the gospel, engaged in reading the scriptures, were less likely to commit suicide, were less likely to be depressed, were less likely to be negative about things. And they found those who were engaged four days in the scriptures or more, that they were more likely to want be wanting to be with the brothers and sisters in Christ, more willing to give, and more optimistic about things that are going on in their lives. And I think the one thing about that in study that was very important, he said it wasn't just four days of reading. But four days of being engaged in God's word. Man, engaged in it. Reading it and wanting it to come to life. I don't know about you, when you read the word, when you God's word, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And engaging that. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son for you, Ernest Wood. For you, Drake Hill. For you, Deborah White. Engaging it. Bringing it into our lives to understand that these words are words of life. Singing them over and over again. Beautiful words of life, okay? Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Bringing them to life in our life. Lord God, when I go to your scriptures, when I read them, Lord God, bring them to life. Make them understand. Help me to understand something from them. Lord God, I want to mature in Christ. I want to grow in Christ. I don't simply want them to read it. And not understand it. I want to read it. And you give me understanding. And praise God. God says when you ask for wisdom. He will give it and give it abundantly. God help me to know. That my belief in you is not in vain. And why is that important? The world is telling us more and more every single day. You don't have to follow God. There are many ways to heaven. There are many ways to God. There is only one way to God. And that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And never take that in vain. Hold on to it. 
Hold on to it with all that you have, knowing and being convicted that God is God and you are his child. As Paul says in Galatians, I know whom I believed and convinced that he is able to keep his promises until that day. God is a God that is faithful to us in all things. God believing in you is not in vain. Believing in your word is not in vain. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Your belief in this, the Lord is not in vain. Why? Because you have received the present, the gift of the gospel. Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord is not in vain because when you receive that present, that is where you take your stand in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Many of you have heard the story about the little girl in New York when the man was there at atheist speaking about who God is, saying that God doesn't exist and that if you believe in God, you're a fool. And if you believe in God, stand up and nobody stood up but one little girl in the back. And she began to sing, stand up, stand up for Jesus. And as she began to sing that song, stand up, stand up for Jesus, others began to stand up for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, praise God she understood that her belief in the gospel was not in vain. And because of her faith, because of her conviction, she motivated and encouraged others also to stand up for Jesus. So, Lord God, as we come to this new year, as we're thinking, as Tim wrote, a blank page and all of those things that we have and we want to do this year. I want you to remember that you're following Christ Jesus, our Lord, believing in him as Lord, believing him as Savior is not in vain. And as you walk throughout this year, know it that it's worth it to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It was so worth it that the disciples were willing to give their lives and not bow down to Caesar. And not bow down to other gods, but only bow down to the one true living God. Wow, God. I thank you, Lord, that your word is not in vain. And as it says here, not only do we have it and we were saved by it, and we hold firmly to it. Hold firmly to it. Lord God, help me to be in your word daily, as we already talked about. Help me to believe it with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and all of my strength. Help me to believe that what your words say are real. Help me, to, help me in my unbelief to grow in belief in you as you continue to allow to your spirit, your word to work in my life, to be different in our lives. Continue living like Jesus because living like Jesus is not in vain. Even when the world will tell you it's not. Living like Jesus, doing what Jesus would do, is not in vain. And as we continue walking in this world and these things, I want you to know, as that little girl who stood up for Jesus, I want you to understand, when you understand and I understand that I am not, my belief in the Lord is not in vain, what is it that people are going to see and know that my life in the Lord is not in vain? That my belief is not in vain. My belief is not in vain because our transformation will testify to God's grace. Your transformation testifies to God's grace that it was not in vain. Think about Saul who became Paul. Paul writes Timothy when Timothy's, uh, when he's a little bit older. Timothy's a little bit scared, a little bit shy, maybe a little bit timid. And he says, Timothy, hold on to it. I am the worst of sinners. 
I persecuted the church. But I am a changed man. I am a transformed man. And our transformation testify to God's grace. Praise God if somebody sees you and says, You mean that such and such? That book? A preacher of the gospel? Yes. How did that happen? By the grace of You mean that Bonnie Mullins is following Christ? Yes. But I know who she was. No, she has been transformed by the grace of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this year, as we walk in our lives for Christ and as we live for Christ, don't be afraid to tell people about the man and the word who transformed you, Jesus Christ. When people ask, why do you not do the things that the things of this world do? Or why do you not lie? Or why do you not do these little things that you know that you could get away with? Because I love the Lord. Because my life has been transformed. Look what he says here in verses 9 through 11 of 1 Corinthians. For I am the least of the apostles. And do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what they preach and this is what you believe. Look what he says here. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Your transformation testifies God's grace and your transformation is not without effect. When your life is transformed, it will transform other lives. People will begin to look at you differently and ask why you do the things that you do. And maybe, maybe you think, well, I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up with these possibilities. I don't know as much as whoever it may be. Or I haven't practiced as much as whoever it may be. Start today. Living your life for Christ. God's life, God can begin to transform anybody. At any age. If we believe in that grace that is truly grace. And just like Paul said there. His grace was not without effect. For by the grace of God I am who I am. Stop comparing your Christianity with your brother. You're with your sister and live in your Christianity by the grace that has been given you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let his transformation happen in your life. Allow it to happen daily. As we said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, our outward body is what? Wasting away. But our inward body is being renewed day by day. God. Throughout this year, day by day, may my inward life be renewed day by day, be restored. May I grow in the Lord, not by my power, but by your power, not by who I am, but by who you are, that I may be a changed person, Lord. And may your grace be in my life, not be without effect. May the grace be so great in my life, Lord. That it touches the lives of others. You know what? One of the greatest things that we have to share with others, one another, is our story of who or when we came to the Lord. And it doesn't matter if you grew up going to church or if you didn't grow up. 
You have a story to tell about when Christ, Jesus, really was, for the very first time in your life, Lord of your life. When you really understood that, hey, what I'm doing now is not just because of who my par- what my parents are doing, but because of the grace of God in my life and what God has been doing in my life. Coming to that very mo- most important point in our lives that we understand the gospel for ourselves and the gospel that has the power to change. Wow. Anybody here today who hasn't given their lives to the Lord, the Lord can transform you. Don't let Satan think that you can't be transformed. And for all of us who have the grace of God, don't think that the Lord has stopped working on you. He is still working on you. He is still transforming you. As it says in Romans chapter 12, our, we, are being renewed, we are offering up living sacrifices each and every day by the transformation, by the renewing of our mind. Lord God, in this new year, may I renew my mind. But above all, Lord, with my belief, knowing that my belief in you, Lord, is not in vain. Understanding that your transformation testifies to God's grace to others. And God's hope, and your hope, that doesn't disappoint. The hope, you can go ahead and put it up there, boy. Your hope that does not disappoint. You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to take away your hope. He wants you to think there is no way it can get better. He wants you to believe that it's just giving up hope on eternal life. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 even says that some had even given up on the resurrection. And that's why Paul's writing and saying, don't forget. Jesus has, yes, indeed, raised from the dead. Because he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not not either been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied if Jesus did not raise from the dead. But guess what the next verse says? But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, uh, raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And we are now in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We have a hope that does not disappoint. As Hebrew says, a hope that is an anchor for our soul. As First Peter chapter, Second Peter chapter one says, a hope that is kept for us in heaven where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Colossians, Colossians chapter three. God, Jesus is real. When we read Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5, the throne of God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We need to believe that we're going to be there and we're not going to be disappointed with what we see, but we're going to be overjoyed, overjoyed at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your hope does not disappoint. And so what's the application and how can we keep ourselves from being disappointed? Look what he says very easily to all of us who are in this room, young and old. What do we need to do to make sure that we keep our focus and not be disappointed and not be led away? He says this very in the, in the context here in 15 verse 38. Do not be misled. 
Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You don't want to lose hope. Put put yourself around people who have that same hope. But if you want to lose hope, you go to places where people don't have hope. And you live like a person who has no hope. We are called to bring hope to others. We are called to call people to hope. And why do we call people to the hope that we have in the gospel? Because we know that that hope will not disappoint. Just as we sang earlier, on Zion's glorious summit stood. Woo! Yes. Yes. A hope that does not disappoint. And as we see this as hope that doesn't disappoint, we can understand one of the great parts of that. We're going to get a new body. Isn't that good, Chris? Isn't that good, Austin? We're going to get a new body. It says in verse 42, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in glory. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And when Jesus comes, how long am I going to have to wait for that to happen? Look what he says. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will raise, be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. Amen. Brothers and sisters, that's a hope that doesn't disappoint. That's a hope worth looking for. A new body built for eternity. Wow, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. And above all, In all that we think of, in everything that we do, the essential question that we started at the beginning, why do I continue to follow Christ? Why do I continue to serve Christ? Why do I continue to be with the people of God? Why do I continue in God's Word and Bible study on Sundays, on Wednesdays, and throughout the week? Why do I worship the Lord on the first day of the week with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Why do I want to care about serving? Why do I want to care about loving? Why do I want to care about forgiving? Why do I want to care about encouraging? Because I want you to understand, brothers, that your motivation is the victory that you have in Jesus Christ. Your motivation is the victory That you have in Jesus Christ. God wants us. To serve him. And God says. And and as Tim says. He doesn't want us to be part of his life. He wants us to be. We want Jesus to be our life. In every area. And not only that. Thinking about this. Look your motivation. The victory in Jesus. As we think about this at this very moment. These motivations here. The very fact that we do it. It's because we believe that it's not in vain. I want you to read with me 1 Corinthians 15, verses 56 through 58. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Just as your belief in the Lord is not in vain, your being here this morning is not in vain. 
Your serving this here this morning is not in vain. Your love for the brothers and sisters in Christ is not in vain. I can't help but think when you see these verses here and he says here, my dear friends, you have been given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We sing the song, Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story. It's still the greatest story ever told. But as he says here, brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Nothing of this world. Don't let sin entice you and entangle you. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith so that we may not be entangled in sin. Author and perfecter of our faith is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Fully, abundantly to the work of the Lord. Lord God, what do you have for me to do today? How can I be your representative here on this earth today, tomorrow, the next day? Lord God, every day that you give me, Lord, may I not be moved by the standards of this world, but be transformed by the gospel, the power of your gospel. May, Lord, I remember that above all, that the things that I do, Lord, are and do make a difference. Teachers, don't forget you are making a difference. Students, don't forget that this, <laughs> the studying that you're doing is worth it. And all of us, whatever we're doing, whatever we're doing in our lives at this moment, and we're doing it, and we know that the Lord is behind it, it's worth it. Don't ever let Satan till, steal that from you. That the things that you do are in vain. Have you ever felt that way? Well, we do this, I do this, I do that, and do that, and nothing comes of it. Well, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to stop. Now, Lord God, how am I going to keep on keeping on when nobody else wants to do it? What do I need to do? Keep on keeping on. As he says in 1 Thessalonians, keep your spiritual fervor. As he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not put out the Spirit's flame. Whenever things come our ways, let's not put it out, but put our trust in Jesus. And as he says here in these verses, isn't it interesting that he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the first part, is those who have this belief, it's not in vain, this belief that you have, as you stand firm with it, the belief, and then also the actions that come along with your belief at the end of 1 Corinthians 15 also is not in vain. So as much as you believe in God's word and the things that you do because of God's word, none of it is in vain. Jesus said, if you give just a cup of water in my name, my father in heaven will reward you. Let's make treasures in heaven that last forever and not treasures on earth that will rust and destroy. Brothers and sisters, this morning, this new year. What new thing could I tell you to do that's different? I really can't have any new thing to tell you. But what can I say about it in regards to our Savior Jesus Christ? Why be here? Why continue following on? Because it's worth it. And I hope you know that it's worth it. This morning, if you have any prayer requests, we want to pray for you. If you felt lately like, when I don't, haven't felt like it's worth it, 
and you want the prayers of God to restore you and to revive you, we want to pray for you. And if you haven't given your life to the Lord, today's the morning to have your life given to him in obedience to the gospel. And remember, the world might be saying it's not worth to follow Jesus, but we understand it's worth to follow Jesus because, wow, what a family he gives us and what a home we have to look forward to. Come home. Come home to Jesus today as we stand and sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D. C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol dot com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 818- West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.